Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already June 7th. We are a week into June. Still overcast and cold where I live. However, we're supposed to get warm this weekend. So let's see what I have to say to you on Monday morning. But I I have a couple of questions. I have a lot of questions today, so I want to get through them. And I also want everyone to know that the um, there was a couple of dreams I didn't get to yesterday. I didn't see them until this morning. So I will hold on to those until next week as well. So welcome, everybody. And let's start with the first question. Um, this question, we did a show similar on it, but listen to the question. Nadia, if I, if time, I have a question for today. Could a vision come from ego? Also, you talked about visions in a past show. Could you talk a bit more about why they come to us? I hope that's fine. There are a lot of different visions. Did I see Christ or was that just a vision? And is just a vision, just a vision, not something real? But then there's other visions. So seeing Christ was, it was a vision because we're visual and we see. But I actually saw him the way I would see you. It wasn't like I wasn't sure. It was a true knowing, like I knew, oh, wow, (laughs) what do I do with this? But then there's these other visions that come from ego, and they aren't visions in the moment, because something you see in the moment, you actually see. There's some level of concreteness to it for you to understand that you have just saw or witnessed something. Then there's the visions in our mind that no one can see or that haven't happened yet. And let's say an example of that would be you're somebody who would never think of cheating on their partner. Let's just say. And then you start seeing these little visions of you guys getting together, you guys talking. And then after a while, you start seeing visions of maybe you guys kissing each other. And then maybe you see visions of more happening. And you just, it keeps building in your mind. And you think, why am I thinking that? I actually really don't want to cheat on my partner. And you're getting tested. Would you cross that line or not? It's not about cheating. It's about how you got there. Or let's say you work in a company and you are the one that's responsible for all the money. Let's just say. And as you're responsible for that money, you start having these visions. Well, you know, you see yourself take a few dollars and nobody notices. And then you see yourself take a few more. Nobody notices. It goes on. And before you know it, you're an embezzler. 
with criminal charges against. Because ego, it gets in. And remember, ego never had an exit plan. It only has an entrance plan. It's like once you go in the building, there's no way out. You have to deal with what it wants you to do. But really, it's just a threshold. Ego is just a threshold to grow past. Even till this very day in my life, and probably will continue until I leave here, it tries to show me little things or it tries to make me think things. And I I could see it. I know what it's doing. And I'm like, wow, that's what you're trying? That's how you try? But let's say I didn't say, wow, that's what you're trying. Just say, I didn't say that or see it. Then it has a chance to go to the next stop. And then the next stop, and before you know it, I'm in another country with ego. And all I can see is what it wants me to do. If you could picture ego, ego is tunnel vision. It, it takes your mind, and the more you listen to it, the bigger it becomes because now it's going to get you to the point where that's all you could think about. Oh, my God, if I don't get that woman. Oh, my God, if I don't take that money. Oh, my God, I can do it. Nobody will ever know. Oh, that's something that I can live with until you do it. Once you do it, you sober up. You're like, oh, my God, now I did that. Now you have to hide it. Now you're guilty in your mind. Now you've done something hurtful to the people around you. Now you're that person. And now you got to deal with being that person. A lot of times what happens as a result of egos, little visions that become temptations, that become something you do, if you get that far with it, if it gets that far with you, you start going into denial because you can't believe that you're the one who actually did that. You're not that person, but all of a sudden you are that person because ego helps you cross the line to be that person. Doesn't mean you're good or bad. It just means that ego helps you cross the line to become that person. It's such an interesting, elusive, thing that ego is. It's an invisible entity, a completely invisible entity that comes in and builds temptation through your mind and starts to work on things that you know. You know, if you were to see it point blank in someone else, you'd be like, oh my God, don't waste your time there. Don't do it. And then there you go. You've done it. Now what? So does ego give you visions? Yes. It works on tempting you? Yes. It's not designed for you to want to listen to it. 
it's a very tricky entity, very tricky energy. And sometimes, like in my mind, I, I can see it start. It starts with like a really little innocent thought. Oh, you love so-and-so. Ah, so-and-so is a pain in the neck. And I'm like, really? I never thought that. And it's like a separate person. Because ego is a separate energy from every single one of us until we allow it in. And then once we allow it in, it will take control. And I put a post up this week. And this week, there were a lot of posts that I did not think were going to ignite the conversations they did. But they did because there's a lot of new people on my page. And they're hearing these things for the first time. And they're like, what? And, and one guy thought I was crazy for writing the money thing. The money thing being a good teacher because money's like the ego. Do we help people with it or don't we? Do we share it or don't we? Are we nice about it or aren't we? And it's just a reflection. And one guy swore at me and said that he was going to unfriend my, and I'm going to say it on the show, dumb ass. And I thought, wow, that's the one he got mad at? Geez, I've written so many worse than this. I've written so many worse. That's the one, the money one? So objective. But when you're hearing these things for the first time, you might think I'm, I'm like, whoa. But because I know why I wrote it, I didn't even argue back. But I kept this comment there. I hid it, but I kept it there so I could see it and smile. Because my ego wanted to tell me I was that. My ego wants to say, yeah, you know, look at you going out there, putting these statements out there, and then look what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, look what I'm doing. Just the difference in tone shut ego out. But ego... It, it it doesn't want to come in. It makes you think your wings are flapping when really they're clipped. They're not even flying yet. But it makes you think, wow, I've showed them. Well, what did you show them? What did he show me? He became a fun story for me all week. Somebody swore at me over a post. <laughs> Just the way it is. But if ego starts showing you visions of something you know is not yours to do, call it out. Just say, I don't really want to do that, so don't even try. Because the minute you buy into the first thought, you're going to get a second thought. Ego's predictable. Now you're going to get a third one, and it's going to try to build your case and make you realize why you have to do it. Then you're going to go to other people and try to sell your case. And then you're going to go from there. an old game so I hope that answered your question and I have another question that was on the radio page and it said hi crew and Nadia for those who listen to the blog talk show I just wanted to back the truck up here remember a while ago when there was a show when Nadia was answering a question and talking about souls being meshed together I remember and it seemed 
like people were thinking that all souls were being meshed. But I want to say that maybe their missions were being meshed. But Christ says in Origins of Truth that God says, page 309, that there is the first meshing of souls to be done. That meshing was him coming through me because I did not understand what part of me was him and what part of me was me. And I wasn't sure what was happening to me as a human being because here I am, this single mom living in San Marino, California, in a house that I'm renting, divorced, and living my life. And then, boom, I'm dealing with all this energy, all this knowledge, all these people. So Christ's soul meshing with Nadia's is the first one to be done. To my understanding, it is the only one. Did I miss something? Because I think others, wait, I think others think that because we connect, we are meshing, but I do not think that's the case. Thanks. So the meshing was that Christ told me specifically, I am not him. I am not him. And he is not me. We are not the same person. But he is in me. And I know he's in all of us, but he talks through me and writes through me. It helps people go home through me and helps me help people who've dealt with people who are going home. Talking about death, talking about life, talking about everything that's going on at this current time in our history, in live time. Because I guess what has happened, and you know, think about how far ahead God, I mean, I know it sounds funny to say because I'm always amazed, but how far ahead God had planned for this. I had to be born. That was in like 1962, before we ever knew what any future could be like. And I had to grow the way I did, know the people I did, be the background I was, to see arrangements in marriage, to see cultural ties within another culture, to marry a second time and have a blended family and to learn what that all meant. To see what it felt like before we see Christ, to see that meshing between home and earth and why it was important that not everyone could see that. Otherwise, we couldn't do what we need to do here. But to let you know there was a bigger picture, I mean, all this was happening. And then, you know, you always hear about people these things happen to. They're, you know, we, we think they're bigger than life, but we're just people. I am just, you know, was at that time, my kids are adults now, but a single mom. And I was working my tail off to keep them in that neighborhood and in that school district. And every time, you know, I would struggle. And my my ex-husband would make sure I didn't have enough money because he wanted to make sure that I would need him. And I wanted to make sure I didn't need him. And and I, I kept fighting to make it. And 
all that stuff was truly a sign of that time. But it gave me a sensitivity to single moms and how much $100 means to a single mom. And I haven't even gotten to all the work I need to do yet. I'm just now starting to film it. Those were my three objectives with this meshing. Christ, I will do my best. I will try to reach everyone I can in our world. I want a billion books to be out there because then I know it will reach the others. And I want to tape as much as I can before I go. Those were my three things to keep the respect and integrity of this work. But we are meshed. I am meshed with him. And because I am, he can come through me when he needs to. There's something in me since I was little and I didn't know. And I just talked about it with my son the other day because I don't even remember how it came up. But there was always a part of me. And I I was aware of it, but I just didn't know what it meant. And it didn't hit me until the other day that nobody could get to. I couldn't mess with it. It was a part of me that was solid. It was almost like this separate part of me, but it was inside of me. And no matter what anyone tried to hurt me with, no matter what anyone threw at me, no matter what they said to me, no matter how much it really did hurt me in my mind, there was a part of me they couldn't get to. They couldn't touch it. And I knew it was there. And I knew no matter what they did, I was going to get over it and I was going to be okay. No questions asked. I just knew it. And that was Christ's part. That was the part that reminded me now that I know why it was there and who it was that always was like a constant, you're going to be okay. If there's anything from this meshing of myself with Christ that anyone gets out of this is that every single one of us listening or not, will be okay. Everybody is already okay. And the challenges your soul is getting are the challenges you need to learn what you came here to learn. It's not predestination because we have free will. And once we get here, that free will gets challenged by ego, going back to the first question. And our ego tries to throw us off our path. And that part of you, the part that I have that no one could get to, that we all have, we all have Christ's love in us, because Christ is just the angel of love. And that love exists in us. And the reason we feel like we've gone astray is when we feel far away from it. 
and then we feel like we're really great and on our game when we're close to it. And every time we listen to ego, it takes us a few steps away from the beauty that we feel. It's really interesting that once you know certain things, and let's say you know you're going to die, or you know your family's going to die, someone in your family, and we're normally devastated. I'm still devastated but I understand that I'll see them again. I know for real I will see them again. It's not just like, see you soon. It's like, bye for now, not bye forever. I will see you again. And I'll get to see you again. When I'm done, I'm just not done yet. It's like you're all going to a party and some of you have a longer road to get there. But it is a party. It is a beautiful thing. It is something that, you know, because life has been sold to us piece by piece, and we had to buy everything that was great. You have to pay for a vacation. You have to pay for something that you need. You have to pay for something that you do for fun and recreation. You don't pay to go back home. And it's the most beautiful thing you will ever know. And after being here in this this feeling of uphill battling all the time, and you get to let all that go, just it's gone in a tornado, just leaves the picture. Just knowing that makes all of that not scary anymore. And when that's not scary, there's not much more you really need from life other than to enjoy as much as you can the life that we have. It's really an interesting thing. So this meshing is constant. And the reason it's constant is I never, ever lose sight of what we are capable of feeling, doing, knowing, caring about. It's like today. When you go, when you leave, and you go about your business, you're going to go to work, or you're going to go to see friends, or you're going to clean your house, or whatever it is you're going to do, you are already a solid, fully intact soul. And you always, always will be. You always, always will be. Whatever challenges you have coming your way, whether it's somebody who's bothering you or you feel a need to bother someone else or whatever, just say, wow, out of all the things I chose to do this today. And that's okay. We have the ability, we have the knowledge to solve any issue that we have in front of us. There isn't a soul on earth that does not. There isn't a soul on earth that does not. And sometimes the most unlikely suspects, some of the most unlikely suspects, think about this, are the angels among us. I, I, I know for sure, you know, when we see like um, homeless people and I look and I say, gosh, God, why? 
Why can't I help them? And then Christ will so quietly say, they're not the ones who need help. They are helping us. I'm like, how are they helping us? This is hard to watch. Why are they suffering? He said, you're determining them suffering. They don't have any of the worries that other people have. And I remember a long time ago, Christ telling me they don't have a mailbox. They don't have a bill. Their whole job is to eat and sleep every single day. If they've done that, they feel okay. But now we have to be concerned for their safety. But that teaches us to reach out. That teaches us to care outside of ourselves in a world that doesn't give us time to even care about ourselves. They, as a community, started moving out of downtown L.A. to an area called the Antelope Valley in California because it was safer. How did they know about Antelope Valley? How did they know how to get there? How did they get there? That resilience, that survival comes to us in every single way. It can. We are capable. There's another question. It may be too long. It's on the page, and it says, I have a question about something written in Origins of Truth, words that will awaken you to the truth of your heart. In Chapter 11, The Coming, on page 310, Christ says that God Almighty said to him before reentering your form. It's what God said to Christ that I do not understand. On the page, God said more than once, Go our child. And the last sentence he is quoting God says, Go our son, our child, and join the other angels now. My question is, why did he say our if God is one? Who is the our? And why would God not just say, Go my creation? I'm a bit confused because in another part of Origins of Truth, also in the same chapter, the coming, Christ says that he was created by the breath of God and God does not have children. We were all created by the breath of God. You too. And I am wondering if Christ ever mentions his earthly mother when he was referred to as Jesus, Mary to you. Thanks, Nadia. I know these may be tough questions. Maybe we should have a blog talk day for questions about origins of truth. And then Leah Gill writes, um, hi, Maureen. I know when Nadia is addressed as our love, it was elusive from all the angels around. Christ, God speaks in plural because we are all the same. God doesn't look at Christ as being more important than you. If you could imagine. A soul is a soul is a soul. There is no soul more important than another. We just have different jobs. When God would say our, I used to feel included in that. 
it was almost like the endearment of our souls because coming here, when we're at home, we don't have to talk with comfort behind it because we are already comforted and we already understand. But the hour includes every single soul. We are all together. We never, ever have been apart, and we never, ever will be apart. I don't care how we separate ourselves here on earth, by countries, by neighborhoods, by homes, by all of that. But the hour when he talks to Christ, and when Christ says we, Christ says we all the time. Yes, God does not have children. But the terms that are used at times are of endearment and the hours and the we's go on and on with God. We are all sons. We are all brothers. We are all sisters. We are all mothers and children. We are all in our, in a picture. It's referred to so many ways. And those ways are designed for that comfort of knowing that we are not separated. And we will do a show on Origins of Truth because I only have like 45 seconds left and I will continue to answer those questions. They are really beautiful questions and they bring me back to Origins of Truth over and over again because that book is a book that takes our souls and gives us a commonality of understanding that we all belong here. And there is no soul more important than another to God. And nobody is really left behind. You guys, I have to go. I have like 10 seconds left. I will see you on Monday morning. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.